Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and for, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's where I'm going to be preaching from tonight. You know, every job has a frustration point. Can I have an amen from the crowd, please? Whether it's the people you work with, some of the circumstances you have to work under, but folks, every job I've ever done or every job I've heard about has its really good, bad, and ugly points. Even Camp Shatek, working with Pastor Randy, that could be a frustration point. I do feel your pain from Camp Shatek, and we all can say amen to that. But you know, it's no different for a preacher. It's no different for me as an evangelist. I have one obvious all the time frustration point. And you know what that frustration point is? Christians who say they're truly born again don't act like Christians. Is that a frustration for you, preacher? I know it is for every preacher I've ever talked to, but you know what? It should be a frustration for you if you're not. If you're not, again, practicing what a Christian is supposed to be and do to rightly represent Jesus Christ. Now, folks, that's the Word of God that describes who He is, what it's all about, and what we're supposed to be and present in our lives before God and man. But I'm going to give you a wonderful checklist here tonight. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, and of course the obvious command and statement found down in verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also so suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. And what we're going to see tonight, folks, is the checklist of how to follow in His steps. And these are a must if you're going to be the ambassador, the Christ-like impact tool in the hand of God, the way you're supposed to be impacting for the will and working of our God. Now, you all know what we're after, don't you? The same thing God's after, hopefully, to obey and respond right to the convicting of His Word. So let's bow our heads and hearts, and let's ask God to speak to us in a very clear way tonight. Heavenly Father, we do rejoice in how You worked in lives and hearts yesterday. Lord, we thank You how Your Word does bring conviction and challenge to our hearts. But God, we're looking forward to that here tonight. Lord, we need to have victory over this, this flesh we're parked in. Lord, this wicked heart that seeks to again follow what we want instead of again rightly representing You. Now, Lord, it's impossible, as everybody knows here pretty much, I know, I think they do at least, that there's no way you can be Christ-like unless you know Christ as personal Savior. Unless you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, you're without the Holy Spirit of God. And without the Holy Spirit of God, you're not able to understand, let alone be empowered to be a Christ-like testimony like stated here tonight. So God, save those that are on the bubble, on maybe right on the edge of decision as far as trusting Jesus. And God, they won't mess with this any longer. They'll get saved this night and know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But Lord, I'm on purpose as you've directed me. I'm going after the Christian because hypocrisy abounds today. Oh, how we put on a performance so much, but in attitude... We're nowhere close being Christ-like. So Lord, help us to understand it's just not an action we take. It's an attitude of life that we present on a daily basis, not just here at church, but even in the most difficult to be honoring, the difficult place of being consistent, and that's in our homes. So God, awaken our hearts, stir our hearts, do the work God you know is best for you, and Lord, that will be in turn best for us. So we thank you and praise you now for this time of challenge, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Now, folks, follow along in these verses. You'll catch on to this real quick. Again, what is it to be like Christ? I'm kind of coming to the conclusion folks just don't know this. Maybe that's the reason they're backslidden as a barnyard door, nowhere close to being Christ-like, and carnality abounds. I'd move over from those people too, brother. That's a troublesome area over there. So that was a very wise spiritual move you made there. Thank you, brother, for, again, encouraging my heart. This is, this is the side I preach the hardest to, okay? So I'm glad you moved over. <laughs> I'm bad. All right, let's look at this list here that's very clearly presented. And, and listen to me, kids. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, this is for you, and this is understandable for you to put into practice. And God will hold you, as well as the rest of us, accountable. So look at the list here. First of all, it says, He did no sin. Then it says, Neither was guile found in his mouth. That means no traces of craftiness or trickery. Then it says, When he was reviled, and this is a tough one, verbally abused, he reviled not, he reviled not again. Then it says, When he suffered, he threatened not. In other words, he didn't argue. He didn't fight back or abuse or hurt in retaliation. I don't know about you people. Someone smacks me. I want to smack them back. You know, that's my natural response to the flesh as my flesh is running the show. But folks, Jesus says, here's the way it's to be done to rightly represent me. And and then a, a real biggie here, folks. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. In other words, he didn't take charge of something that belonged to the controlling power of God. No, he committed himself to the Heavenly Father and left the outcome to him. And boy, this is the ultimate example, folks, we must show to impact hearts for all eternity. Verse 24, it says, "...who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree." That is a ministry, folks, not based in self-centeredness, but a life that shows I'm here to minister to the needs of others. So what are we supposed to do with all this? Well, that's what we're supposed to adapt. That's what we're supposed to adopt into our lives, no matter what your home life is like, no matter what place you work, no matter what frustrations you may have, even in a local church. You're here to be like Christ. Now, I'm going to help you note-takers. If you're a note-taking person, Pastor, you can preach this Sunday, you know, they won't know you got it here. Praise the Lord, shortcut city. But I'm going to give you a real simple... <laughs> Pastor, you're in trouble. Of course, some of these folks wouldn't even remember, okay? You know, they, they don't remember what I preached yesterday. So you may be safe. All right, here's the list. And, and I'm, going to do a, I'm going to divide this into four categories here. And the first one covers a lot of bases if you're looking to cover these bases. First of all, no known sin. Now, folks, why does God say confess forsake? Sin stick its ugly head up. Why does he say deal with it now? Because it'll seek to take root in your heart and grab a hold of everything you are and everything, an attitude or action, and again, bring destruction, not blessedness to your life. Now, let me give you four things under no known sin. First of all, sin breaks down fellowship between you and God. When you're in known sin, sin on purpose, folks, it breaks down fellowship between you and God. A couple well-known references, Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. And I quoted this one yesterday morning. In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, that's known sin, the Lord will not hear me. So first, and importantly, folks, it messes up your relationship with Jesus when you're in known sin. Secondly, it blocks the blessings of God. Now, folks, this isn't real hard to figure out. God's going to honor faithfulness and judge you according to unfaithfulness, isn't He? 
Is God deaf, dumb, and blind today to our choices of carnal activity and ungodly procedure? No. And He loves you enough, folks. This is the number three thing. He'll bring forth chastening. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son he receiveth. Now, I know that's archaic today in our society with kids running the house and, you know, kids running the asylum, the schools today. (laughs) They do that, you know. Folks, you know what? You need to have the same discipline toward a child. Like our God loves us enough to discipline us when we're going sideways and hurting the cause of Christ, breaking his heart as such. But the Lord shows he loves you enough to wake you up, straighten you out, and make you a usable vessel for his will and his working. So let me review here. When you're in known sin, it breaks down fellowship between you and God. It blocks the blessings of God. It brings forth the chastening of God. And how about this one? Believers are dead to sin. Sin, folks, has only the power over us we allow it to have. Do you realize that? You smoke it because you want to smoke it. You chew it, you cuss it, you do whatever that's contrary to Christ's likeness because you choose to do that and the rotten flesh you're parked in. Through Jesus, folks, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you can and you have available victory over sin. You sin because you choose to sin. So what it says in this passage, we should look at verse 11. It says we should abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. What does that mean, folks? Don't go there. Don't do that. It doesn't say get as close to it as you can without messing up your life before God and man. No, that's what we're doing today. And that's why we're in a mess. And that's why we're not producing the fruit we need to produce. We're so casually, so easily messed up with sin, folks, and we think it's everybody's fault but our own fleshly, sinful choosing. So what is God after? Be Christ-like, no known sin. Now, here's our problem. And probably we'd have a bit of a agree-to-disagree discussion if pastor and pastor and some of you, we all sat down and started talking about stuff. But my question for you is, what are you basing your conviction from? What, what, where's your conviction directing you? There's a lot of confusion today. There's a lot of distortion and perversion in fundamentalism today like I have never seen because man thinks he's right in his own eyes. And man, again, justifies certain circumstances so he can do what he wants to do. But folks, from my study of Scripture, it's gone way past what a Christian's supposed to be and do. You know, whether it's something you listen to or something you're a part of, some relationships you have, are you sure that's what God has ordered up through the Word of God? Can you give me a verse, listen carefully, in context? Now, you can do a lot of things and really be perverted as the day long trying to justify it through Scripture, but if you rightly divide the Word of Truth... You understand the principles that go with this one, that one, and the other. Folks, it'll lead you to one thing, and it's not gratification to you. It's seeking with every effort, every activity, every hour, every moment of your day to, again, make sure you're lining up with Scripture and you're choosing to be like Christ. That 1 Corinthians 10.31 stuff that we quote all the time, folks, that's what's involved when we seek to be the way God would have us to be. Look into His Word. Let Him show you what sin is. Then no known sin. Can I have an amen, please? That was wimpy and pathetic. Okay, let's go to number two. So the first thing, no known sin. Now let's see what else is listed in this passage. (laughs) This one gets real personal. Controlled attitude and tongue. 
Anybody want to come forward already? Lay your tongue on the altar. That would be fun to watch, if nothing else. But folks, a controlled attitude and tongue. Now let me help you with this one. Not get even. Not figuring out how to get someone back. Now that's that guile stuff we talked about that's, that's against Christ's likeness. Keeping from reviling. That's just verbal abuse. Verbally biting back. Being hurt without hurting back. How many people today are dysfunctional for Christ in good local churches like this, and they wouldn't dare sit on that side of the church with all those backslidden people because you have unresolved... He doesn't, okay? He's just convenient to pick on. You know, listen, you know, there are people that... I mean, so I know it's hard for you to imagine this happens, but it happens all the time. I hear the horror stories from pastors. This guy over here has unresolved conflicts with this guy over here. They don't talk to each other at church. They don't fellowship together. They just come to church and worship Jesus joyfully. You can't. If you have, listen to me, if you have unresolved conflicts with anybody, you're messed up in your head and heart. God says before you come and worship, get it right with that person that's offended you or you've offended. Get away from your reasoning and be responsible to the principles of God's Word so you have no mess up or no miss out on Christ-like representation. Being hurt without hurting back. Folks, I'm telling you, I get wounded all the time. I may sound like a little hard-hearted, harsh, little obnoxious, pushy evangelist, but I wear my, I'm a musician too, and you know how sensitive we musicians are, okay? And it's a little of the bit of the truth. I was telling these guys thought I was telling them stories last night. I told them when I was younger, when company would come over, I'd hide under my bed. That, that was till I was like. 19 years old people, it was a very dingy, darn, no, I, did, I really did. And you know what? I was just so, again, insecure in any of life's presentation. Now, I've got over a lot of it. Are you all with me here? But, but I'm still, folks, I, I don't like to be hurt either. And I, but I don't want to be hurt so deeply that my flesh takes over, folks, and I don't rely on the power of God, and I don't respond in a Christ-like way. Because Jesus, He suffered. He was slandered, but He opened not His mouth. Now, now don't miss this. Jesus fought against sin. Jesus rebuked wrongdoing, but He did it with the right spirit, a spirit of meekness, that power under control stuff we talk about, and He rebuked in the purpose of restoration, rebuking out of the love for God, the love for truth, and the love for others. He didn't just react on the flesh and verbally let her fly. Well, somebody needs to say something. It's about time they heard what they needed to hear. Oh, that... Show me that verse, would you please? You know, I think it still says, now maybe I'm clouded here and you're mature saint of God here. Come to me and show me where it still says you don't have to speak the truth in love. Well, I am. I love it. Well, it may be coming out of your mouth in truth. It may be a right presentation of verbal, of a biblical representation, but your attitude is far from Christ likeness. 
You know, I was talking with our fuzzy bearded wonderment here at lunch today. I went to Fur, Fur Central today for lunch, you know. And, and bless his wife. I'm telling you what, can you imagine? I just put up with him for two hours today. Can you imagine every day being with Jeremiah Johnson and, and have it? I mean, it's, can you imagine walking around that house at night? I'd be scared to death. I mean, there are lions and tigers and bears, oh my, coming around every corner. It could eat your children. I don't even know where I was going with that, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks, listen. I had something real good to say, but I had so much fun saying it, brother. I don't remember where I was going. That's the stage and age in which I am, but it was worth the laugh to begin with. But folks, listen. We've got to understand, folks are going to be nasty, folks are going to be mean, but we can't go there and do that. I mean, how many times did I want to throw my children through the trailer windows as we traveled across America ministering on the behalf of Jesus? And they probably wanted to do the same thing to me. How many times as a pastor, I just wanted to grab people by the, by the throat and say, would you wake up and smell the coffee and get right with God? But you know what kept me from doing that? And that's not a Christ-like response. That, that doesn't help the cause of Christ. And I've got to supersede whatever irritation, frustrations, or whatever my flesh wants to fly and throw and do its destructive thing and make a commitment to have a controlled attitude and a controlled tongue. Now, I'm going to say this, and I hope this is this, if this hits, this nail needs to be smacked, I pray that you'll receive it with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. Over my years of ministry, and I've been doing this a long time, it amazes me how men are one way at church and another way at home. Oh, they got, they got the tie on, they got the hair, they got the attitude, they're nice as pie. But when they get home, they're mean as, as an old badger. You know, they're just, I can tell them I'm Wisconsin, can't you? They're mean as mean can be, and they don't have the right attitude, let alone the right verbal presentation. They yell at each other. I had this couple in my church. I love them to death. They're both in glory now. But they, you, I'd go to their house and they yelled at each other all the time. I mean, it was this and this and this. And I'm thinking, whoa, what a miserable existence. Have you read your Bible lately? Do you understand that's not a good testimony? Whether it's yelling at your kids or yelling at your husband or yelling at people around you, folks, you need to get past your flesh. Let God give the victory. I understand you don't feel good. You know what I do when I don't feel good? I tell people, leave me alone or I will kill you. Okay? I'm not, I'm not real good when I don't feel good. I, I know that. So what do I do so I don't eat my grandchildren? I understand why some animals eat their young. I really do. I, you know what? Maybe they just had a bad day in River City here. But I, I tell my wife, I say, honey, leave me alone. My testimony is more important than, again, have the gratification of, again, wrong representation. But folks, if you know your limitations, you know your strengths, your weaknesses, you go there, you're going to do that, don't mess up your testimony. Don't hurt the cause of Christ. Zip it, retreat, get your act together, and when you can be Christ, some of you may never come out of your bedroom again, but folks, listen, you've got to make sure that you rightly represent my Jesus, and that's with a controlled attitude and a controlled tongue. Now, the next one is just as convicting, hopefully. Now, folks, some of you right now at this point may be saying, could, could you give the invitation now? <laughs> you know, uh, this is beyond my power and control to do. And you know what? That is true. 
What I'm preaching is beyond your fleshly wherewithal to do. But God will give you the power to have the right action as well as the right attitude through the Lord Jesus Christ. So for first, no known sin, a controlled attitude and tongue. You know, I challenge a lot of people. I say, uh, you know, gossip abounds. The worst gossipers I know are preachers. Probably second in line are evangelists. They're like the internet. They've learned and known everything, and they tell everything they learn and know. But you know what? It's not good whoever it's coming from. You're a gossip. It's a prayer request. Oh, baloney. You're just a gossip. You just can't keep your mouth shut. You know what? Maybe you're just harsh. Well, zip it. And my wife and I were talking about this today, actually. You know, if you can't say something nice, what? That's a great principle to live by. Of course, some people would never talk again. But folks, that is a blessing. That's a victory. So your mouth belongs to Jesus. Have you read, you know, the passages on the tongue, James chapter 3? Have you studied Ephesians chapter 4 lately, where it tells you to speak the truth in love? And moms, I understand it's frustrating with your kids all day long, but they need to learn Christ's likeness from somebody, and shouldn't it be from you and dad? Shouldn't it be, no matter what the circumstances are, that you have a controlled attitude and tongue? And here's number three. You need to commit yourself and the problems to the Lord. You need to commit yourself and the problems to the Lord. Now, folks, this is still active for us New Testament believers. Vengeance is God's. He will repay. How many ministries have blown up from the inside out because of this vengeance thing? I will straighten it out. I'll show them. Oh, people, don't go there and mess and do that and mess up this ministry. Let God, again, help you understand that He judges righteously instead of being reactionary. Do you all understand what I mean by that? Being righteous instead of reactionary? Let me give an illustration here. Let, let's say, will this feedback if I come back? Hey, sound guy, wake up. Will this feedback if I come all the way back here? All right, let's find out. Let's say that this man here is blessed to be my child. Say, good boy. Would you please speak? Good boy right here. And, and, and you know what? He and I are like hooked at the hip. I mean, where he goes, I go, what we do. But he gets to this age where he gets his driver's license. That's kind of the the passage for modern man. Are you all folks with me here? So what happens? Because I trust him. He loves me. I give him some latitude and some little, little license and opportunity to kind of spread his wings, you know, and all that. Dumb parenting thing here, if I may add. And what happens, I let him take the Pinto station wagon out by himself. Does anybody remember Pintos? The firebombs of automotive presentation. So I give him the car, and I let him go cruising. Now, folks, if you're going to get to any restaurant or any place of substance, you got to drive like 1,400 miles, all right? But let's say we live in town, and I let him go cruise Spooner. Huh? Huh? Am I a lenient father or what? It'll take him about 20 seconds. But nonetheless, so what he's going to do, I give him boundaries. Is that a good thing, folks? Yeah, yeah. I give him boundaries to go to Mickey D's, cruise down to the Ocano market of excellence and all kinds of dietary consumption, and back and forth and back and forth. And then I say, hey, there's one kid I don't want in the car with you. Now, let's pretend this is not his brother. He's some just attitude, girl crazy, even a little little Bud Light, Bud Heavy every once in a while. And I said, hey, Herman, 
Herman, that boy's not supposed to get in your car. Can we all say, could you hear a bad boy, please, please? Bad boy. What's my son? Good boy. So what happens? I'm one button-popping proud papa here as I see my son leave the driveway on this experience of manhood. Are you all with me here, folks? Mom's a nervous wreck. That's just mom's mode of operation. Now, before I told him, I said, now, son, the tank's full. And when you come back, you fill the tank back up where you found it. Say, good parent. <laughs> good parent, okay? And what happens, he goes cruising. Now, I gave him a curfew. Now, folks, he could get in trouble in three seconds. So you all with me? But I said, it's 7 o'clock, I want you home by 9. Now, you can stop at McDonald's, get an ice cream cone or Big Mac or whatever, but I want you home at 9. Guess what happened? 9 o'clock. Herman's not there. You know, quarter after, 9.30, I'm, an, I'm getting nervous now, and I'm ready to call out the, the Mounties from Canada. I, I know they're close, people. I'm ready. Dudley Do-Right, would you come quickly here? And I can do a good impersonation of Dudley, but I won't do it for you tonight. But what happens, you know, I'm getting ready to go out and get in my truck and just hunt him down. Well, you know what happened, folks? He pulls in the driveway. He said, oh, Dad, Dad, I'm so late. Dad, I'm so sorry. Dad, Dad, I'm so sorry. I said, where you been? Well, he said, well, you know, oh, oh, Bill. Bill? Yeah, Bill. Dad, he needed to go. He needed to go down. Let's go. How about Eau, Eau Claire? Is that good enough? Is that all right? Yeah. No, that's too far. He couldn't have gone back. Let's say he has to go to some other town that's just a little too far away, okay? And he said he had these, these girls. Girls? Yeah, he had these girls that needed a ride, and Dad, you know, <laughs> girls, you know. I went brain dead, Dad. Forgive me, Dad. And I drove, and I said, and you know, what am I going to do for this kid, folks? He broke my trust, he broke my heart, and irritated me like nobody's business. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy him a brand new pickup, aren't I? Yeah, I am. Four-wheeler, you got to get a ladder to crawl up in this thing, people. And I'm going to put a big gun rack. He can have an elephant gun back there. I'm going to buy him anything he wants. And, and I'm going to give him my credit card. I'm going to expand his, his freedom. He can drive all the way to Duluth if he wants, down to Miami Beach, Florida, because I love my son. Folks, what am I going to do? I'm going to kill him, okay? I'm going to give him the just due to his choices and actions, and because I love him, I'm going to chase him. But here's what I don't want to do. Watch me. Here's why I gave that long illustration. You, you, you broke. I trusted you. You went down. And, 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 Y'all understand that's not a Christ-like res- I'm sorry, brother. I probably deafened you here. I'm here. But you know, this poor guy's going, oh, why did I come back? You know, that's right. But folks, that's being reactionary instead of deliberate in action to help my son be what he's supposed to be, not just with my instruction, but with my right attitude and response. I needed to tell him what he needed to hear. I needed to chasten him or discipline him according to what he deserves by his own choosing. But I've got to make sure that I don't get in reactionary mode and slip into carnal presentation and again misrepresent the, G- the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, He already belongs to Jesus and not me. Do you buy that? He's a heritage of the Lord's. And I've been very careful in my stewardship on how I respond and what actions I take as far as my ministry and my teaching unto Him.
Folks, if we're going to do this right, we've got to commit ourselves and the problems to the Lord. That'll never happen unless we first place ourselves in the controlling hand of God. If we don't do that, we'll blow up, foam at the mouth, and go for the throat. And that is not Christ-likeness. That is a blatant presentation of carnality. So I'm here to represent Jesus with no known sin. We could have an invitation for the rest of the week on that point alone. Y'all with me here? So don't forget point one. Number two, a controlled attitude and tongue. Yes, if you are using your mouth for the flesh, for the world, and scoring points for the devil, you need to hit this altar and ask God's forgiveness. You need to be in repentance mode, turning from your sin and choosing to talk the way you're supposed to talk and walk the way you're supposed to walk. And then, folks, in the midst of the frustrations of life, make sure you commit yourself and the problems to the Lord. Vengeance is God's. He will repay. He'll take care of you. And number four is this. You need to give yourself for others. Isn't that the example of Jesus? Jesus died, lives, ever is again available to minister and meet our needs, folks. We're supposed to have that sacrificial response to people around us, even the ones we don't like so much. We're here to show them Jesus Christ so they can know Jesus, and in turn, they can demonstrate Christ's likeness unto others. Now look back at our passage here. I want to show you something very interesting in the context of what's have, uh, taking place here. Look down with me at chapter 2 and verse, uh, verse 12. It says, having your conversation. Now again, that's attitude and action, behavior, lifestyle. Having your conversation honest among the Gentile, that unsaved crowd that's watching you like a hawk. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works. What's that? Right representation of Christ's likeness, doing it biblically. They may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Then it says in verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. What does that mean? You know what? When that cop pulls you over, guess what? You deserve to be pulled over. Don't get angry at him. You're the one that broke the law. You're the one that made a choice of being unlawful and a poor testimony. You know what, folks? Speed limit signs aren't just for unsafe people. God blessed us with cruise control. Y'all with me? One of the, oh, I tell you, if I didn't have, I'd be in jail right now, people, wasn't for cruise control. And, And I don't want my name in print. For, for several reasons, I'm a cheapskate, I don't want to pay the bill, but I also don't want to see my name in the paper that Mike Maynard disobeyed uh, being a good, uh, the pa- part of being a good su- citizen for God. You know, a good representation of Christ's likeness. So folks, again, we have authorities placed over us that we should submit to, whether they're good leaders or not so good leaders, because we submit unto our God. Then look down at verse 15, good summary thing here. It says, for this, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing, making right choices, right representation, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king, even if he is Obama as such. You've got to understand God is in control. 
And we have responsibilities of submission, not compromise, not going what we're against for our representation before God, but we've got an order that we need to follow directed of God. Then, verse 18, servants, be subject to that grump you're working for. That, that, yeah. And folks, it's hard to submit to someone who's not nice to you. Or someone that's, again, not the real smartest or best boss. I, I've worked in a lot of those places where I worked for some of the dumbest people. Not you, Pastor, but I've worked for some of the dumbest people on the face of the earth. But you know what I made a decision to do? I'm going to give them no excuse to blame me for being lazy or not the best worker they've ever had. I like to preach a whole message on work ethic, folks, because I give my all best hardly as unto the Lord, not for a paycheck or an attaboy, you know, from some guy that I'm working for. And I've done a lot of jobs before, but I want to make sure I rightly represent Jesus. And that's a good goal for all of us. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to that one that's not so good, the froward. Now look at this. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God. Now, have we lost that, people? Do you even think about God in the midst of disciplining your children? Or again, having a relationship or discussion between you and your wife or you and your husband? Do you really think about that when your neighbor runs over your kid's bike? He cuts down your favorite tree. He just drives you absolutely bonkers with your property. Do you even have a consciousness toward God when the flesh wants to fly? You better or you'll go far from rightly representing my Jesus. Now it goes on to say, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief and suffering wrongfully. Here's conclusion, folks. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do well, and they seek to kick your teeth in, you suffer for it. You take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And here's where we started. For even here, too, were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you personally, no matter how young you are, no matter whether you've been saved two weeks or 200 years, you are here to follow in His steps. In attitude, in action, in all circumstances, you're here, people, through the power of God to be like Christ. Would you bow your heads and hearts, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. As I mentioned, folks, I try to do this as much as I can wherever God allows me to go. Because I'm seeing hypocrisy in abundance that breaks my heart. And if it breaks mine, I'm sure it breaks the heart of God. But does it even bother you that you don't even know what it is to be Christ-like beyond what I've taught you tonight? And you think it's no big deal because you're living contrary to the blessed Word of God and rightly representing my Jesus. Oh, folks, revival. God wants to break it forth through this place. But before He can do that, He needs to do a work in individuals who will come clean, get it right and avail themselves to this Christ-like representation that God saved and called us to present 24-7 for Him. Now, I have my down moments just like you, but I've made a commitment, oh God, give me strength. God, don't let me hurt you. Don't let me hurt your work. God, when I get in grump mode, God, take me away from people. God, help me to regroup through your power and wherewithal. And God, don't let my mouth just uncork, unload, and unleash. Help me to respond, God, 
in a Christ-like way. So whether it's with your mouth or with maybe the actions you take every day, are you in a position of Christ-likeness? If not, great opportunity to respond in the invitation. A blessed privilege for you to come to this altar or kneel at these front seats and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for my choices of doing my thing instead of rightly representing you. And let God bring forth that victorious, wonderful work tonight. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to say this again because with the crowd we have, this could be possible. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you have no control over that body that you're placed in. Other may be a strong will or maybe a little grunt and groan every once in a while pulling up your bootstraps. But having what God wants you to represent, it's impossible unless you come to the point of knowing Jesus as your Savior. You cannot be the husband. You cannot be the wife. You cannot be the child in responsibility of your parents unless you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, you can be better than some others, but not the way it's supposed to be unless you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior. Now, folks, I'm not going to review and preach the whole message. I think you know what God would have you to do. So whether you're a church member or, or a visitor, would you respond broken and yielded and tender to God's working? And maybe first time or maybe recommitment. Make a commitment by God's power to be like Christ.